0: Exodus chapter 33 and verse number 17. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will. Make all my goodness pass before thee. Can you imagine? He said, I'm going to make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Verse 20, he said, you cannot see my face. For there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passes by, that I will put thee in a cliff of a rock, And I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand. And thou shalt see my back parts. But my face shall not be seen. I want to do my best tonight with the help of the Lord to preach to you. But before I do, I want us to call on the Lord together. Amen. I want God to meet us in this house in a special way. Would you just... Call on the Lord with me right now, church. Come on, lead us in prayer. Would you do that as a body? Come on, lead us before the throne tonight. God, we want to hear from you. God, we want to hear from you. We want your word, Lord. That is forever settled in heaven to be settled in our hearts. Oh God, help us tonight. Let your sweet word, oh God, rest and abide in this place. Let the good seed find good soil, and we'll give you the praise for it. In the name of Jesus, would you put your Bibles down and clap your hands unto the Lord with all your might. Would you clap unto the Lord with all your might. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated tonight. I want to preach to you. For the sake of a title tonight, it looks different from here. It looks different from here. Exodus chapter 33, God is is speaking with Moses. And the context of this is very important. Understanding that in the 34th chapter, the very next chapter, the Lord speaks to Moses and tells him immediately to hew out two tables of stones. And that he's going to write... Upon the tables, the words that were on the first tables, which he broke. And so, we, we understand the context of this is that Moses had been on the mountain with God for 40 days. And in the smoke of the mountain, in the midst of the mountain, God spoke things to him and did wonders before him. I, I really can't imagine what it would have been like to have been Moshe Rabbeinu on that mountain. I can't imagine the things that he beheld. As a matter of fact, if you study Jewish history and you, you get a, an understanding a little better just in the historical account of the picture of what happened, it said that while the Lord was speaking the law, that it was like a flaming fire that came out of the mouth of God on the top of that mountain. The, the King James says that there was smoke that filled that mountain but the jewish uh, oral law the, or the jewish oral history said that while the while the hebrew nation was in the valley watching that mountain which we see the picture drawn for us that the smoke was in the mountain but they said what was creating that smoke was that out of the mouth of god came a flaming fire and they said that every commandment that came out of the mouth of god was in every known language in the world. They said every, every tribe and every tongue in the world. Every language that there was in the earth at that time. As the word of God came out of his mouth to Moses. That it came out of his mouth as a flaming fire. And this is very interesting. Because I preached this maybe a year or two ago on Pentecost Sunday. But it's very interesting. Because this is the first Shavuot. Or what the, 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 the Greek word is Pentecost this is the first Pentecost the first Shavuot in the wilderness and I want you to think about this with me if you would imagine if what the Hebrews have recorded to be a fact that out of the mouth of God in every known tongue known to man came the word of God and began to swirl around that mountain as a fire the Hebrew scholar said that as it swirled around that mountain that it would then move down into the valley and would swirl all around until that word rested on the head of every man, woman, and child in the valley as they watched Moses in a a conversation with God. Now let me fast forward you uh, to the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts when the Bible said suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. Watch this now. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat on each of them. Can you imagine the fulfillment that they felt and experienced? This room was filled with about 120 people that were very familiar with what had happened in the wilderness on the first Pentecost. And God was confirming his word that he poured his spirit out on the same day he gave his law. Can you imagine that Word of God swirling around that mountain and standing there gazing and all as that Word came down and settled on their head? There's value in understanding this, that that law was for everybody. The reason why that Word rested on all of them is because God said, if we're going to get this done, I'm going to need every one of you to come. I'm going to need every one of you to follow. I'm going to need every one of you to understand what I'm saying. Church, I want to tell you that what God is desiring to do in the church in the end time. It's not just for a couple of folks. It's not just for the few and the proud. Are you hearing me tonight? God wants this thing to rest on every man, every woman, every child. If you're here tonight, it's because God wants you to be a part of the end time church. I'm not going to stand on the sidelines and watch everybody else get blessed and watch everybody else have revival and watch I plan on being right in the middle of what God's doing. The Lord spoke to him. And the first thing out of the mouth of God, when he started writing with his finger, he said, Thou shalt have. Come on, somebody shouted, Thou shalt have. No other gods. And so, it's very interesting because now, Moses comes walking off of the mountain With tablets that the finger of God had written on And the Bible said that as he came out of the cloud And uh, I don't know that I've ever just stood in a visible cloud with God But I do know the feeling of the principle That he had been seeking God in a high place Seeking God in a mountain And when he came out from the, the cloud It said as soon as his gaze caught the valley Guess what he saw? He saw that the first commandment had already been broken. God's up there right and speaking a word to the man of God. Thou shalt have no other gods. And when Moses stepped down out of the cloud, there was already that golden calf that Aaron had allowed them to build and even pushed for them to build. And so in frustration, in frustration, the Bible said that Moses took those tablets of stone that had to be heavy, they had to be weighty. It was something that wasn't... You, you could just flip it around and carry it. it. It was work for him to get that off the mountain. And it's apparent that as Moses stepped down out of that cloud and saw the carnality of the people, that he wasn't he wasn't willing to just carry the weight of that into a bunch of carnal people who didn't want it. And so the Bible said that they had broke the law already. And he said, what's the use? And he cast the stones to the side he casts those tablets to the side and i want to tell you that that same spirit is still running rampant in the earth today and it pushes against pulpits and leadership and ministry and pastors on a weekly basis when you have been with god and you have sought god and the enemy lies to you and tells you that nobody wants to hear the word of god And Moses cast aside that heavy and weighty matter. He said, I'm not going to carry all this weight if they're not going to follow. And the Lord chastised him. And he said, that's not your law to break. That's not your word to cast aside. That's my word. So for the man of God that wants to stand in the pulpit and say, we're not going to carry this heavy message anymore. It's too heavy and the people don't want it. I hear the voice of the Lord saying, that's not your word. That wasn't your commandment, Moses. That was my commandment. And I told you to take it to the people. Folks, listen to me. We don't need pulpits in America filled with jellyback men who are afraid to stand and declare the whole counsel of God. We need men that will take the weighty matters of the Word of God and walk it to the people of God. have it we've got to have it we've got to have it the lord said listen i I know moses you're you're surprised by this because you were up here in an encounter with me he said but moses i'm not surprised because while i was writing that with my finger over the last 40 days i knew what they were doing too in other words what moses had was the antidote for the problem but he felt like he didn't need to carry the weight of it because they didn't want are you following what i'm saying I know the antidote to the problem, and it is the Word of God. I don't know what's going to happen in this country. I really don't. I don't know what's going to happen politically. I don't I, really, I don't have a clue. But I can tell you this right now there is nobody, no man, no woman, and there's only two. that's ever going to step into the White House and fix the problem with America because the problem with America didn't start at the top. It started in the heart of the people. Yeah. And when, when, when churches when churches cease to become soul-saving stations and they become people-pleasing community clubs you can see that In my opinion, the problem with America, it's the same as Sodom. It's not the unrighteous. It's the righteous who refuse to stand up and be righteous. The Lord said that he would have saved the entire city of Sodom. If there would have been 10 righteous people, I believe there were 10 people in Sodom that knew how to be righteous, but they refused to be righteous. Listen, I'm not really worried about what's going to happen in November of 24 and what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you what I'm worried about. I'm worried about the church throwing things to the side that God said is the antidote to the problem. We can't throw away this Holy Ghost, one God message, and expect the world to be fixed. We got to preach it, and we got to live it, and we got to believe it. Well, what if they don't want it? Well, it ain't my word to fix. Come on, somebody. The, the arrogance, the arrogance of somebody that would stand in the pulpit. And say, we're not going to preach that anymore. We're not going to believe that anymore. We're not going to do that anymore. As if we've got ownership of this thing. The apostle Paul said, he said, I I, I didn't cease to, to preach unto you the whole counsel of God. He said, I gave you the parts that were easy to preach and the parts that were difficult to preach. You know what? I don't like preaching everything I preach, but I'm not going to quit preaching it because it's the antidote for the problem that's in this world today. I believe that the revelation of the righteous is what God is waiting on somebody that will say, I know the way. I know how to live. I know how to be righteous and I'm going to stand and let my voice be heard. It's amazing to me how tolerance is a one-way street. It's the truth. This world wants acceptance, and they want, they want you to accept everything about it. And I got to watching the other day. I was on my way uh, either to, I can't remember if I was on my way to Dallas or on my way back from Dallas this weekend. But I was reading online on the flight about this girl that uh, was, was a college swimmer. And, and and uh the uh the guy that was swimming with the girls that had won the championship beat this girl. I think think it goes by Leah or something like that, Leah Thomas, maybe and uh this little girl was speaking out saying i didn't th- she didn't think it was fair because they basically got beat by a man who's like six foot four or whatever a <laughs> big old tall dude swimming against all these little girls right and so she shows up and makes i don't even know where she was i don't know what kind of meeting it was but she was speaking out against it and she was saying i i I think it's only fair that girls swim with girls and and uh and man she came walking out of that room and all these activists started beating on her and spitting and cussing and it it was insane listen tolerance is not a one-way street but listen to me this is not going to be fixed just because you vote somebody in that you like this, the, the only solution to all of this is when the righteous never cease being righteous it's not going to be fixed when we blend in with the rest of the world and just go along with it we're going to have to stand up and let the redeemed of the Lord say so been redeemed you ought to say you've been redeemed if you have been washed in the blood you ought to say that you've been washed in the blood if you've been filled with the spirit the world ought to know you've been filled with the spirit if you've been baptized in jesus name the world ought to know you've been baptized in jesus name can i preach to you tonight i am not ashamed of the gospel of jesus christ for it is the power of god under salvation I tell you the problem is the minority gets the loudest microphones and makes us feel like makes us feel like we're the minority but I'm just telling you tonight there's more people that want God than people that don't want God I'm preaching to you a message of optimism right now. The devil is a liar when he tells you there is not revival coming in this nation. We're seeing it happen right now on levels that we haven't seen in years. There is a hunger. Don't get focused on all of the distraction. Let's have revival. Let's get back to the basics of revival. And let's have a breakthrough. I get in trouble when I start talking about stuff like this because it drives me crazy. People thinking the answer is going to come from somewhere else. I'm not even sure your vote counts anyway, but you better go vote. <laughs> go do it anyhow. Go get after it. But don't, don't you dare be more passionate about voting on election day than you are praying in a prayer closet. Oh come on, somebody! I, I, I'm preaching. Maybe you're a little uncomfortable right now. Listen, we, we can spend hours listening to talk radio. They'll say, oh, "I'll tell you the problem. I know the problem, but I also know the answer." It's a sin problem. It it, it listen. This is not a people problem. It's a heart problem. It's a sin problem. And every one of us that are in this room tonight know because of the resurrection, it looks different on this side. Just because you were born in sin and shaping in iniquity doesn't mean you stay that way. You've been set free from the law of sin and death. Well, pastor, we just... You know, we just have to be careful because some people are born that way. And it's, you know, that's what, hey, listen, I just want to talk to you right now. Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, He said, Lord, what what, what should I do? And he said, well, you got to be born again of water and spirit. He said, well, can I enter my mother's womb a second time? He said, no, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit. He said, Nicodemus, except a man be born again of water and the spirit, he cannot see or enter. What are you talking about, pastor? I'm saying go ahead and say you were born addicted to whatever you were born addicted to. Go ahead and say you were born with addictions of drugs in your veins. Go ahead and say you were born homosexual. Say you were born whatever. But here's what I want to tell you. The good news is is you can be born again and when you're born again the old nature is lifted off of you and there is a new nature that takes that over I'm not afraid to tell this world there is still delivering power in the name of Jesus Y'all with me tonight? If you're done, I'll quit. And so now the Lord, the Lord is dealing with Moses and he said, look, I don't need you throwing stuff down here. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you. And it's a little bit different than the 34th verse because this time God said, you're going to hew out the stones. He said, you're, you're, you're probably going to be a little, little less quick to throw something aside that you're invested in. Man, I just preached so good right there, and some of y'all missed it. I said, you're not going to be as quick to throw something down that you're invested in. If you dig this out for yourself, you won't be so quick to throw it down. You know what we need in this generation? We need some people that are say, I believe what my pastor is preaching because I got in the Word, and I saw it for myself. I don't plan on throwing it down because I'm invested in it. I don't plan on getting rid of it because I dug it out. (laughs) But before it got there, the Lord said, look, boy, I'm going to talk to you a little bit. I'm going to work some things out with you. We're going to talk about this for just a little bit. And he said to him, he said, listen. He said, "I'm, I'm getting ready to take you to a place and he said, I, "I want you to stand. I want you to stand on the rock." But he said, "My glory, my goodness, is about to pass before you." Amen. And he said, "I'm going to proclaim the name of the Lord before you." And he said, "Now, now, I, I don't know what you're planning here, Mo, but you can't you can't see my face. Uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to let you see my face because no man can can see me and live. And so this is so powerful and so prophetic because." although we've seen shapes of God and, and different ways that God appears and Moses has experienced God in the burning bush and he's experienced God uh, at, at the Red Sea and seen the faces of God in different ways he said "Now's not the time it's not the time for my true name to be revealed because the name hasn't been given yet under heaven and among men so, so it's not time and, 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 and Jesus Christ hasn't been born yet so it's not time for people to see my face. He said, but Moses, listen, I, I'm not here to show you my face. He said, as a matter of fact, while I'm here, I'm going to have you walk off of this rock into a specific area, into a cliff. This means like a cave, like a hole. He said, I, I'm going to have you walk into a hole, a, a cave in this rock. And he said, I'm going to talk to you while you're in there. But listen, uh, you're not going to be able to see because I'm going to put my hand on the cliff of this rock. And I'm going to hide you in there. Now, this is an awesome, powerful moment. Because you got to understand the frustration. What was it that made Moses cast the law aside when he was looking through his own eyes at what he saw? And God said, I'm going to put you in a place of darkness and hide you with my hand so that you don't get focused on everything that's wrong. I'm going to put you in a place where my hand is covering you, and the only thing you can see is what I show you. He said, Moses, you can't see me while I'm there. I'm going to put my hand over you, but you will be able to see my hinder parts. Or in other words, it, uh, if you look in the Hebrew, this word actually means you can see backwards. You can see the back. And I'll tell you what I believe if you want to know tonight. I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that while God put him in the cleft of the rock, that God turned him in the direction of of the law. It is believed that Deuteronomy is probably what he wrote first, that second law of God. I believe that what God did is put Moses in the cleft of the rock, and he said, turn around, and I'm going to show you the hinder parts. I'm going to show you where we've come from. I'm going to show you what's happened and we're going to start right here in the book of Genesis or in the book of Deuteronomy and more than likely started in Deuteronomy and worked his way back to the bearish to the Genesis account. I believe the Lord started with what was right in Deuteronomy. He said here, oh Israel, the Lord. The Lord our God is one. Why does that matter Moses? You need to know. That while I've got you in the cleft of the rock. No matter what else you see. Nothing else matters. Other than knowing I am the God. Of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And I've got this taken care of. He said if you can learn to love the Lord with all your heart. Your mind. Your soul. Your strength. I believe that. That the Lord, in my opinion, I believe that when the Lord showed him his hinder parts, I don't believe that meant that he saw the backside of God as he was walking away. But I believe there's a great possibility it could mean that the Lord allowed him to see his hinder parts where he came from. And the Lord walked him all the way back from the law to the book of Genesis, and he took him all the way back to in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Why does that matter? Because God finished in the place where he actually started with him. And the last thing out of God's mouth was, I started this thing all by myself. And everything that you see that's visible and everything that's invisible, I did that. And Moses, if I can create everything you see and everything you don't see in six days, do you not think that I can take care of these people that i brought out here in the wilderness? I know it's hard for you to see because you're in the cleft of the rock but Moses if you'll just look back right now at my hinder parts you're going to see that I've been good all along I've been powerful all along there is no God above me Moses there is no God beside me there is no God that's equal to me now quit worrying about your problems and let me show you my goodness God said to Moses, in my opinion, let me testify to you a little bit. Let me show you what I've done. You know, this is a powerful principle that I'm I'm afraid sometimes I overlook in my own life. Moses was in a tough place where he thought he was dealing with a bunch of carnal fools that didn't want anything to do with God and that he was going to be stuck out there somewhere in the wilderness. And the Lord said, the fix for this is to look at how far you've come. Are you hearing what I'm telling you tonight? He said, look at what's already happened. Look at how far... You've already come When you get to a place Where you feel hopeless And you don't feel like There's an answer that's coming You know what you ought to do You ought to turn around And look behind you And say look what the Lord has done I may be facing things that I don't know how I'm going to come out But if he did it for me yesterday I've got to believe He's still got the power To do it again I'm preaching to you About a God Whose power has not diminished He has not lost authority He has not lost power He's as great as he's ever been, and if he did it before, he can do it again. <laughs> it looks different from here now because I'm standing in a place where I was looking at problems, but God put his hand over this rock and he started showing me. I love that song they sang tonight. Man, I could just preach that song. I am. It was that same I am to talk to Moses at the burning bush. I'm glad they brought that one out of retirement. I am the Lord. I'm the almighty God. I am the one for whom nothing is too hard. Are you hearing me? I am the shepherd. I am the door. I am the good news to the bound and the poor. I am. I wish somebody believed that tonight. I am. God said, Moses, when you can see what I've been, you'll know what I am and what I shall be. When we start looking at the goodness of the Lord and the things that he's done, I feel that old song rise up in me when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. My soul cries out, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you're looking for trouble, you'll find it. If you're looking for a testimony, you'll find it. If you're looking for the struggle, you'll find it. But if you're looking for the breakthrough, you'll find it. I'm telling you, God is as able today as he's ever been. So God... God took the time, however you want to view this for yourself, God took the time to show Moses some things that had been behind him. God showed him his hinder parts. But isn't it something that everything that God was showing Moses, and I know, I know this is, I, this is hard to do without going too deep tonight. I don't, I don't want to get off in the deep end of the pool. But God did not call Moses to be a last day deliverer in the end time church. God called Moses to be a deliverer in the Old Testament from Egypt. Raised him up right there in Egypt. in a time when they were killing babies, the Lord put something in his mother. They said, put him in that little ark. Put him in the river. God had his hand on him. You understand what I'm saying? But God had his hand on Moses. That caused him to look from the exodus to the deliverance in the land of promise. And when God was finished with Moses, before Moses ever got to see the promised land, God said, I'm done with you. And Joshua's coming in. So understand this. Moses' time was spent most of the time looking backwards to the goodness of God to put something in the people that would lead them to Canaan. Am I making any sense? I'm trying to stay in the shallow end, but Moses' ministry was about... Looking at the heart of God, looking at at, at, at at the origins of the things of God, looking back. This is why we this is this is how creation happened. And, and I put everything you need in creation. So I'm gonna be everything you need in the wilderness. And I'm gonna be everything you need in the promised land. And this is what happened with Abram. And so I called him out. So I'm calling you out. You understand? So he spends his life and his ministry was looking back in a past direction. To bring present deliverance to the children of Israel out of Egypt. But let me tell you something. God didn't preserve you and I to be Old Testament deliverers that are looking into the past. God preserved you and I to stand on this side of the resurrection. Look back over our shoulders and say, Thank God for the schoolmaster that taught us what sin looked like but it looks different from here because on this side of the oh you ain't hearing me (laughs) on this side of the resurrection I'm not spending my life looking back to realms and bullocks and the priesthood and the tabernacle I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God Moses, I'm going to need you to look backwards to lead the people out. But I'm glad to tell you, if you've repented of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, you've been brought out. Don't keep looking back. It's time to look up. Let me get where I'm going tonight for Moses. Moses. His ministry was was spent building off the treasures of God that had been exposed in the previous years and decades and perhaps millennia. But now, you and I look in a different direction. Because we can look back at all the wonderful things that were established through creation, through the exodus, through the law, through the priesthood. And we can see that it established things for us. We can see Christ in the tabernacle and if we had time to preach the tabernacle, we'd preach a little bit. Of, we can see our eschatology in the feasts of God. There's so much, so many rich things that are there. But my life is not spent looking in the rearview mirror with the hope, with the, the hope that we'll finally catch on. Listen, let me just make this simple for you. Moses spent his time looking in the direction where there really was no hope except for just that it could be pushed ahead once a year. But on this side of where you and I are living, Moses was trying to tell those people there's deliverance that's coming. There's deliverance that's coming. And there's a lot of people that are still stuck in that cycle. I've been there standing at the wall with them when they're praying, Come Messiah. Come Messiah. Come Messiah. Come Messiah. And they're waiting for the Messiah to come. They're waiting for Shiloh to come. They're waiting for a breakthrough to come. Well, I'm glad to tell you tonight from where I'm standing, Messiah has already come. Shiloh has come. Deliverance has come. Now this is going to be tough. Y'all got your seatbelts on? Nobody's going to get mad? Listen. In, in Moses' time, if you were without deliverance, it was probably because your time hadn't come yet. Because you had to wait for the offering once a year. But in this day and age we live in right now, I'm going to tell you what I believe, Brother Shaw, and I believe with all my heart. If you're without deliverance now, it's because you don't want it. Yes, sir. That's right. That's right. You know, there's people in this room tonight that have taken away every excuse for me for why I can't win. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm telling you, there's people in this room tonight that have already overcome more than I'll ever have to face. There are people in here tonight that I believe John saw. You can believe it if you want to. But I believe John saw some of you people in here tonight when the accuser of the brethren was thrown into the bottomless pit and he said, I saw a number that overcame the accuser by the blood of the lamb and by the word word of their testimony. I feel like telling somebody in here tonight, don't you dare lose hope. You keep holding on to your faith. We are so close to overcoming him. And we're going to overcome him by the blood that's been shed. And by the word of our testimony. I'm not going to let the devil take my testimony. So here's here's how we're looking at this now. So now we're standing on this side of of the cross and we're standing on this side of the resurrection it's a good place to be isn't it it's a good place to be it's a good life living for the Lord it's wonderful isn't it Jocelyn it's a good life living for the Lord we're standing here looking on this side and I'm looking I'm looking for that city I'm gonna tell you what happens if we're not careful if we're not careful while we're standing here looking for heaven we're gonna stop doing our mission and just wait on heaven Oh boy I felt some oohs and ahs on that I want you to understand tonight I plan on going to heaven I plan on making heaven my home and God willing I'm going to do everything I can to make it But I'm not just going to stand here every day And twiddle my thumbs until he comes back Well somebody say amen or Owe oh me I'm not just going to stand here and hope that my city is saved before the Lord comes back. I'm not just going to stand here and hope that backsliders show up. Come on, I'm not just going to stand here and hope that somebody invites people to church. I plan on going to heaven, but I plan on being busy until I go. I don't care if I go into rapture. Or if the Lord takes me up out of the grave, I plan on being busy until the coming of the Lord. I'm going to preach wherever i got to preach. I'm going to travel wherever I have to travel. I'm going to do whatever I've got to do. But I cannot be weary in well-doing. Oh, I can't wait to go to heaven. I can't either. And we're going to go in Jesus' name. We're going to go. But until then... You're going to walk by a lot of people who aren't headed in that direction right now. Woo. It's tight in here, ain't it all? Huh? When you walk past people, Brother Frank, it's so sad to me to look in the eyes of people that have no hope. You just look in their eyes. You can see their heart. But we live life so fast, we'll walk right past them. Go about our way. I have no clue. I was standing in the airport yesterday. This real pretty little girl came up. I shouldn't say little. She's as tall as I was. I don't know if she's a ball player or what. She walked up to the, uh, I could tell she'd been traveling a long, a long journey. She was in a hoodie and like just, I mean, you know that look when you've been up all night long. And she walked up to this lady next to me at, 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 at the, uh, the luggage and she said, very, very respectfully, she said, excuse me, ma'am. The lady turned and looked at her real funny. She said, "Yeah, uh, excuse me, ma'am. She said, listen, I, I just came from Thailand. She said, I broke my phone. My phone got broken in Thailand. And she said, is there any way that you would let me use your phone to call and see if my ride is still here? And that woman started going like that. Like trying to, and I'm like what in the world what are you doing woman and she just kind of like grabs her bag real real fast and takes off and I saw that little girl just kind of standing there with her shoulder slumped in trepidation and I looked over and made eye contact with her and she said excuse me sir I said yeah she said sir I broke my phone in Thailand and my flight my flight's delayed so I don't know where my ride is I said what's the phone number What do you need to call? She pulled out the number, gave him the phone number. Listen, that's a simple little principle. But we are not so busy that we can't take time to love people. (laughs) Brother Small, I don't know how it's going to work. But if the Lord will let it work this way, I hope that when I cross over to the other side that I look over my shoulder and there's a line of them. That the Lord said they're here because, because you led them here. I, that, that's what I want. I want to get there and know I made a difference in somebody's life. I want to go and know if you undertook the time to pray for me and, and, and bless me and, and teach me the word of God, I wouldn't be here today. Pastor, don't you ever get tired? Sure. <laughs> I heard the funniest story this week. You just have to know the nature of it. I, I, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked here. Uh, this, the, the, the man I was preaching for in Dallas said he was at a conference. And, and uh, the context of the sermon the preacher was preaching, brother, brother Cody Marks was preaching a sermon called I'm a quitter. And he was talking about quitting sin and quitting, you know, all the things you're supposed to quit to do the right things. I'm a quitter. But uh, Bishop Holmes, Bishop Joel Holmes was there. And when Brother, Brother Marks gave his title, he said, I want everybody in here to say I'm a quitter. <laughs> Brother Holmes just stand there and his wife said, Babe, he said, everybody say I'm a quitter. He said, I want everybody to say I'm a quitter. He just stood there. She said, he wants everybody to say I'm a quitter. He said, you ain't never going to hear me say that. (laughs) Can I preach to you on Sunday night? I've quit a lot of things I shouldn't have been doing, but I ain't no quitter tonight. I'm going to preach till every soul comes in that we can get in. I'm going to preach till my energy's gone. We're going to have church. We're going to have revival. We're going to have breakthrough. We're going to teach Bible studies. I will not quit. Come on, anybody want revival in here? We're not going to quit. You may have been discouraged, but go in there to that closet and get the dust off of that Bible study chart, put it back under your arm, and let's go teach the truth. I ain't gonna quit. I wasn't I wasn't there. But if that story's true, it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. I ain't never gonna say that. You know, when you stand up, when you stand up and somebody walks by you, and I'm going to tell you, 100% of you in here know exactly what I'm getting ready to say. You know the feeling that I'm talking about. When somebody walks by you and you felt the Lord nudge you and say, talk to him. And you're like, oh, no. got a minute for a story I'm coming to a close I had just preached in Maryville Tennessee and uh, I preached Sunday night and we were going into to uh, strong tower camp the next week and uh, on that Sunday night man there were miracles Oh, my Lord, have mercy. We were in the old, the old building, and uh, when, they, when, when Brother Carpenter built that building, I thought it was huge, but when I got older, like, I realized it's not, it wasn't as big, you know, it's kind of like uh, some of the churches you were in when you were a little kid, they just felt like they were massive, and then you became an adult, and it's like, <clears throat> but we were preaching there that night, and God started doing miracles, my wife can tell you, from where I was standing on the platform to, I don't know, several rows back, it was packed in there like sardines in a can. There wasn't room for anybody else to stand, and people started coming up on the platform, and there were were, uh, diabetic syringes, and man, all kind of stuff, just miracle after miracle after miracle, and our faith was high. I hope I'm not moving too slow for y'all. So we're going into a week of camp meeting that starts Monday night. We had to drive over to maybe Asheville, I think, North Carolina. So we got out of church, and I went, you know, went to bed. Monday morning, I got up just chilling, doing my deal. I said, I need to run to Wally World. You know, I mean, can you even take a trip without going to Wally World? It's like, I've, not, I, you know, it's just, it's just kind of the law, I guess. And so I go into Walmart after God had done 674 miracles the night before. Just like thanking God for his power and thanking God for what he's doing. And this man walks by me at Walmart that has this cancer hanging off the side of his face. It was so big that it was wrapped in gauze, it was huge. And I felt a quickening in my spirit. Pray for that man. And I said, God, I'm headed to preach camp. And I just kept on walking. Lord, I'm tired. I worked late last night and brother I got I got halfway down that aisle something got a hold of me Uh, there's a reason why I remember this in such vivid detail I remember that man had on that plaid plaid shirt and just kind of old school look salt pepper gray hair and that great big tumor wrapped in gauze it was hanging like this off of his face and I finally made up my mind, I'm brave enough to do something that's not in front of a bunch of church people. This is the easy place to do it, you know it? I said, okay, God, I'm going to go pray for Him. I started walking up and down the aisles. I looked down every aisle. Man, I looked, and I looked. I stayed longer than I needed to because we had to travel and I just kept looking. I walked up and down every aisle. And I never found that man. I wish I could tell you I remember the details because the tumor fell off on the ground. And God healed him right then. But I'm going to tell you why I remember the details. I remember the details because I felt the quickening of the Spirit of the Lord say, Stop right now and pray for that man. But I was a quitter. And I kept on walking. Listen, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not being goofy. That, that, that cancer may have been something they cut off in surgery and it got fixed. And something else may have taken that man's life way later down the road. But I'm going to tell you, it don't take too many times of that to carry around the guilt in your heart of wishing you would have listened to the voice of God. Are you hearing me? And it looks different from here. It looks different from this side where you miss God. Pastor, you shouldn't be sharing this. We're supposed to look at you and hold you. I'm going to tell you, you pinch me, I bleed. I'm a fleshly man. And I'm telling you, you don't want to carry the weight of what it feels like to miss God. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you, we better get sensitive to the voice of God. And when God starts speaking, we got to realize what dispensation we're living in. It's a time for miracles, signs, wonders, deliverances, oh God, I'm not just waiting for people to walk through the doors of the church, I want to be sensitive to the hearts of people, (laughs) Uh, it looks different from this side, because we know that he can, oh my, let me ask y'all this question tonight, okay? Is this alright? It's, it's a little different. I'm preaching a little different. Y'all are a little tired on Sunday night. I'm feeling a little drag in here. I'm just, I'm just going, I, I just want to know. What else does God have to show us to prove to us He can? Right. Right. Let me ask all you up here that same question tonight. <laughs> let's, see if, let's see if somebody up here will say something. What else does God have to show us for us to believe that he's as mighty as he's ever been? Let me ask you. Are we afraid that we're going to say the wrong thing or are we afraid that God don't have the power to heal? I know I'm shucking corn right now because I feel the weight of it i am telling you, I feel it in this place right now. You know what God's trying to do in this church? Can I, can I just pastor you and love you for a minute? God's trying to get us over our selfishness of getting fed all the time. Fed, fed, fed. Feed me, feed me. I've been praying God awakens something in this church that our Sunday services don't turn into charge me obsessions sessions. But there are sessions where we're coming and testifying of what God has done all, all week long. You know what I'm waiting on? I like those calls. Where's Where's Gabe at? There he is. Gabe, I, I like those calls. Hey, Pastor, I got a guy that I worked with. Wants to get baptized. I like it. Oh, we 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 we, we we'll, we'll get sometime. We'll we'll go do it. Hey, I'm telling you right now, while he's speaking, we better respond. I'm not saying this to be ugly, okay? Y'all with me? I'm coming to a close. Seriously, stay with me. I'm hurrying. But listen, I've always had a fear. I know there's been a big movement of like we're going to have this baptism Sunday theme, and everybody's going to wait to get baptized on this one deal. I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm all about celebrations. Do not get me wrong. And I don't mind having a Sunday where we preach on baptism and baptize 700. I don't care. I, I, I love to it. But I'm going to tell you why. I've always been so careful, Sister Needy, about putting everybody on a waiting list to get baptized. What if God reveals to them that they need to be baptized in Jesus' name, and I tell them they got to wait? And they get in their car and drive home and die in a car wreck. Is this too heavy? What are you doing? I'm telling y'all, it looks different from this side. We We don't have to worry about whether or not he can. We know... We know we can. Amen. If God's ever healed you of manic depression, I want you to stand. If God's ever healed you of deep dark depression. I want you to stand. No shame in here. Hmm. Are you still wondering? Thank you, precious people, for being obedient to the Holy Ghost. You can be seated. If God has ever healed you of anxiety, would you stand? There's no shame in here. Be seated. If God has ever healed you of debilitating fear that would keep you awake at night, fear of life, and it it turns into anxiety ultimately, but fear, God's healed you of that? Man, I'm telling (laughs) y'all... Every time you stand, I feel a shift in this room right now. I don't know if y'all are starting to feel it or not, but in the last two minutes, I have felt angelic presence begin to shift and move in this room. You know why? Because you're testifying. Woo! This This is going to be tough. But if God has ever healed you of abandonment issues. Or you didn't know how to trust people. You didn't know how to trust people because you had been forsaken. God healed you of abandonment issues. I'm just going to let that sit right there for a minute. Are you still wondering if he can? not in any hurry to move off of this i'm telling you some of you have been wondering does god hear a word i'm saying does he hear a word i'm praying but there's people in here tonight that can tell you it looks different from here i'm on the other side of it i've been delivered from it i'm looking in the direction of victory is there any wandering in here if god is still able tonight if he's ever healed your body would you stand to your feet right now if he's ever touched your mind would you stand to your feet right now i want the whole world to know there's no question as to whether or not he can i come to tell you about a god that is more than able Moses was looking to a time where deliverance would come. But you and I are looking from a perspective that deliverance has come. We don't, we don't have to be stuck in wondering whether or not God can. I, Sister Darla Crabtree, I can't get it out of my mind. I've thought about it every week since the other night when you came in here. I was going to have you just testify about healing in your back. You start reaching down, touching the floor. Anybody wondering if God still can? I don't remember. Come here. Me and my, my sister's never been a believer. Today I called her and I don't do that. And, we, and she said, praise God, because God gave her a sign in, in, in the sky with a cross and it said, she said, it said risen. Come on. My sister's not a believer, but she is right now. Woo! Come on, let's give God thanks. From where we're standing tonight, we've got hope. From where we're standing tonight, we got victory. Somebody ought to rejoice right now. Somebody ought to give God praise. We're not standing here hoping that deliverance will come. I'm standing here to tell you deliverance is here. There's people in here tonight that we could go all night long. People that God has put your family back together. People that God has healed your marriage. People that God has healed your family. People that God has healed your broken heart that was fractured in a million pieces. I don't know exactly who I'm talking to tonight, but I'm telling you, there's life on the other side of disaster. There's life on the other side of loss. Come on, there's, there's life on the other side of brokenness. I know you feel like you may have dropped the ball and some things got lost along the way, but it looks different from here. There's hope on this side. Everything's gonna be all right. I want us to lift our hands all across this house. Could we do that? Come on, there's a healing taking place in here right now. That's all right. Let them tears flow right now. Come on. There's deliverance in here right now. Come on, some of you have been feeling the tug of God trying to pull you closer. and You've been pushing him away. Stop pushing tonight. Now's the time. Come on, come closer. Come closer to Jesus. Let him heal your heart. Let him heal your mind. Let him heal your spirit. There's healing in here right now. This is revival. This is revival. This is revival. You've been feeling that tug of the Spirit of God saying, come a little closer, come deeper with me. Come on, let Him restore you right now. Woo! I wish somebody'd shake that pride off right now and just let God have His way in your heart. I wish you'd shake that pride off of you right now and let God heal your mind and your spirit. ah. He can. God can. Yes. That's it. Let those tears flow right now. There's healing in this room. God's restoring some people in here right now. Yes. Let the wind of your spirit blow through this house, God. Let the wind of your spirit blow through this house, God. How many of you would avail yourself to the Lord tonight to say, wherever you want me to go, send me, Lord. Order my steps, God. If there's people you want me to pray for, people you want me to share your word with, order my steps everywhere I go, God. I want to hear your voice. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. We know you can. We know you can, we know you can, we know you can. God, we know you can. Oh, this is so beautiful, come on. You may be in a broken place you never dreamed you'd be in tonight, but I'm telling you, God can bring you through it. God can bring you through it. God can bring you through it. Just reach out and touch the Lord, reach out and touch the Lord. Mighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah Let's link our faith up together tonight Would you, if it's appropriate, pray for that person next to you Brothers with a brother, sisters with a sister If it's appropriate, find somebody next to you tonight Let's link up our faith together Praise God, let's link up our faith together Let's pray for one another Praise God God, strengthen the family of God tonight. Strengthen these precious people. Strengthen your children, God.